This Saturday's Big Ten matchup between Ohio State and Rutgers is intriguing to me. Because on one hand, over 75% of bettors against the spread are picking Ohio State to cover. But then when you look at money line bets per action network, close to 40% of money line bettors are picking Rutgers to, well, win the game and pull off what would be the upset of the week. This game, looking at these matchups, screams, defense, defense, whoever can establish control at the line of scrimmage first and run the football the hardest, as long as they do have some sort of balanced attack, does have the best chance of winning and will boast potentially a dominant performance, not from the perspective of points, but from the perspective of time of possession and game control. From a preseason angle, I looked at both of these teams' schedules, and while I didn't think Rutgers would have a chance to pull off the upset because I thought Ohio State's defense would be elite, and it's lived up to that expectation, in fact, performed slightly better than I expected in the preseason, I thought, and I thought they would have a top-five, top-four defense— but I thought the offense would more or less reload with some slight regression at pass protection and quarterback, but an increase of production on the interior of the offensive line, especially in run block, increase in production of Cade Stover. I thought he was going to make improvements and strides, and also with a healthier running back room, just really, in some respects, a more balanced offense that suits the needs of Ohio State for the purposes of beating Michigan, controlling games better, winning the Big Ten. And, and that hasn't exactly bared fruit yet. But from a preseason angle, Ohio State, they play Penn State. Tough game. They travel on the road to Madison to play Wisconsin, who threw everything at them. And I was thinking about this in the preseason. It happened in the regular season as well although Wisconsin was much worse than I expected. Penn State was pretty similar, of course, with some differences. But Ohio State, we don't know if they're going to have the same juice that they have the past two weeks. Fatigue exists, even for teams with the amount of talent that Ohio State has. And Rutgers is coming off of a bye week. So those are some factors to consider. We're going to be talking about that for this entire video, because... Who would have ever thought that Ohio State and Rutgers would, you know, carry some luster, carry some, you know, nice, you know, juicy steak, um, broth, gravy, you know, whatever your taste is. There is there is something to this game, and I'm excited to talk about it. So welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam, and we're going to be talking about Ohio State and Rutgers today. Before we resume this episode, please hit that subscribe button and click the notification bell so you can get notified when I post more college football, Ohio State football, Rutgers football, Big Ten football content. This week, due to some changes in the fact that I want to automate my potential power rankings system, I won't be displaying my power rankings in any of my preview and prediction videos. Next week, I hope to change that, but until further notice... You won't be hearing about my potential power, at least in text on the screen. But you'll, you'll hear me reference it and talk about maybe its past performance or how it has viewed these teams up to this point. 
but I just want to lay that out there. There will still be bonus content on Patreon, and I'll be talking about potential power there and probably give some insights on some of the changes that I'm making. So if you want to support the channel and you want some bonus content, check out my Patreon page via the pinned comment in the comment section below and also in the description. Also check out my merchandise store via the link in the description. And finally, like this video so we can get it into the algorithm and comment your thoughts and predictions for this matchup down in the comments below. What fascinates me about Rutgers is the change that they have had on the offensive line. They are able to run the football with authority, and I like it. Now, granted, you, you look at their you know passing offense, for example. Wimsat has 181 passing attempts. He only has 91 completions, so he's completing almost exactly 50% of his passes. He has 1,134 passing yards, seven passing touchdowns, four interceptions, a 111.2 passer rating. And I don't want to get too much into the statistics right now because I typically do that throughout the video, but they can run the football. Gavin Wimsat has well over 100 rushing yards. In fact, he has over 300. He's averaging five yards per carry. Kyle Manungai is averaging over five yards per carry, and he'll probably break 1,000 yards before the final game against Maryland in the regular season. This team can run the football. Rutgers can. And defensively, they're very impressive, especially at linebacker and secondary. And for Ohio State, we know that the Buckeyes have near limitless talent. They have a good combination of upside, returning production, and coaching, but something about their offense just hasn't gelled yet. And yet may not even be the proper word. This offense may never come together in the way that I expected it to, or many others perhaps expected it to in the preseason. Josh Pate, for example, thought that Ohio State would you know, change their offensive identity and then use that to win the Big Ten. Um, I, for one, thought that Ohio State would run the football more and adapt, not change necessarily their identity, but adapt to more of a running offense, but still keeping that somewhat pass-heavy approach, just running the football more effectively, and that would help them become a more dominant team. I've been wrong on a variety of fronts with Ohio State's offense, I don't think Josh Pate, in the sense of Ohio State slowly gelling together their new offense, has been right either. I think a lot of people expected Ohio State to have some kind of consistency on offense because, well, that's Ryan Day. Ryan Day is an offensive genius, a quarterback guru. He has a wide receivers guru in Brian Hartline. Justin Fry is a great offensive line coach. Tony Alford is a running back guru. I mean, you just have great coaches offensively, great players offensively. Kyle McCord was a five-star coming out of high school. Marvin Harrison Jr., I don't know how he wasn't a five-star, but highly ranked four-star. Travian Henderson, Emeka Igbuka, Carnell Tate, Julian Fleming, five-stars. Oh, Brandon Innes, five-star. And then there are even some three-stars. Um, for example, Mayan Williams, and he's been developed nicely. Donovan Jackson, five-star on the offensive line. Josh Fryer, four-star. Carson Hinsman, four-star. I, I forget what Starcade Stover was. I think he was a three-star or a four-star. But there's a lot of talent on that offense, and yet 
They haven't gelled together yet. I don't exactly know what their identity is outside of the fact that they obviously want to control the clock. Ohio State has one of the they're, they're, they they take the long they take some of the longest time out of every college football team to snap the ball. They're like Michigan. In seconds per play, they're one of the they're one of the highest teams in total seconds per play. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Michigan, for context, was below a few service academies in that statistic. You look for this year, 2023, you can find a lot of these statistics that I use on teamrankings.com. Ohio State this year, the Buckeyes are all the way down to 77. And that's an increase compared to the last time I checked out this statistic when they were outside of the top 100. They take 26.6 seconds away. It's only five less seconds than Michigan, by the way. Um, Penn State, for context, is higher. They're at 61. And Maryland's at 43. Purdue's at 41. So Ohio State, Wisconsin, by the way, 31. So Ohio State wants to control the, the game more. They want to run the football. They want to establish game control. They're second in game control, only behind number one Michigan there. Michigan and Ohio State, as I talked about in yesterday's video that I did on special topics, I think are there's an argument they're the two best teams in all of college football. A potential power would agree with that and, and by a quite quite a big margin, actually. Michigan being better than everyone on the neutral field by about double digits, and Ohio State being better than everyone below them by anywhere from three points for maybe two teams and then seven to ten points or more for teams outside of the top four. The Buckeyes are ridiculously elite defensively, but as I've mentioned time and time again, there is something missing from that offense. And for Rutgers, you we know who Rutgers is offensively, and we know who they are defensively. They're better at defending the pass on defense, and they're better at running the football on offense. And I think that matches up rather well with Ohio State, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think Travion Henderson will be a big key, perhaps more importantly, the offensive line. But we'll get into all of that and breaking down the roster and specific statistics later. I think Henderson, the O-line, will be a big key in this game for Ohio State. And for Rutgers, it, it will be very similar because even though Ohio State's defense is better, like Rutgers' defense is, at stopping the pass than the run, Ohio State is allowing under 100 rushing yards per game, which is just crazy. And they, you know, force fumbles, they get tackles for loss, they get penetration and pressure with just four-man fronts. The defense that Jim Knowles has this year is, it, it's berserk. It, it really is. I've been very impressed with Jim Knowles. I think Ohio State fans have been impressed with Jim Knowles. In fact, Ohio State fans, I think, are thanking Jim Knowles because this Buckeye defense has given the offense time and time again chances that the prior two years offenses didn't have. There's a lot more pressure on the 2021 and 2022 offenses to produce points than there is on this year's offense, who can throw a pick, go three and out, fumble, and the defense will compensate for your errors. Meanwhile, if C.J. Stroud threw a pick or went three and out or the run game got stuffed, 
punting the ball to an opposing offense that was great at the minimum would often result in a touchdown being scored on Ohio State. This game will be played in SHI Stadium. Now, home field advantage for Rutgers, not even comparable to most home field advantages in the Big Ten. The stadium is a hard time being filled up. I expect that it will be more filled than usual. There will be more fans in the stands, but will it be filled to capacity? I kind of doubt that. Rutgers is 6-2, and two, though they you know just got bull eligibility in their win over Indiana, so that might be something for the fans to celebrate. Ohio State's 8-0. They're number one in FPI. They're number two in potential power. Again, don't have it up on the screen because I'm you know trying to update it, optimize it, make it even better. But I still updated the points per play margin and yards per point margin, and even changed a few you know position groups before I decided you know hey it's it's time to improve this and make it easier on myself. Ohio State remained at two by quite a big margin. Rutgers is inside of the top twenty-five. Now, potential power doesn't factor in group of five teams. FPI does. But potential power is definitely higher on Rutgers than FPI is because there aren't there aren't like 19 or 20 group of five teams that are better than Rutgers. There's, there's like Tulane, James Madison, Air Force. Honestly, that's probably it. There's probably three, maybe four maybe five that are better than Rutgers. I think Rutgers right now is a top 35, top 30 team. Nonetheless, the Buckeyes are given a 91.3% chance to win, in my mind, as they should. They should be big favorites. They have a lot more talent. They are by far the better team. Ohio State actually has a cohesive, somewhat consistent within its own inconsistency of a passing offense. There's a lot of boom with Marvin Harrison Jr., and Kyle McCord, Cade Stover has performed exceptionally well. And at times, Ohio State's offensive line does execute and does produce at a high level. Again, for the Buckeyes, it's their inconsistency. It's not talent. I don't even really think it's a lack of development per se. You just can't hit on all of your recruits. I'm specifically looking at offensive line and quarterback Greg Stradwara did a poor job of recruiting the O-line. That's why Ohio State let him go at the conclusion of the 2021 season. And overall, I mean, you just you you have to you have to use your roster properly. And I think that Ryan Day is learning how to do that just because this year's roster offensively is so different from perhaps the standard roster that he's used to. I mean, Ohio State doesn't have the same upside or explosiveness at quarterback. They don't have a C.J. Stroud or a Justin Fields or a a Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace. They're still learning. But at least they have a a functional—it's beyond functional. They have at times an elite passing offense. At the worst, it's a functional passing offense. Rutgers' passing offense at best is functional. At worst, it's non-existent. And Ohio State's defense will not tolerate a one-dimensional offense. They will tear it apart, ripping the muscle and meat right off the bone while the animal is alive. That's what Ohio State is like. They are like a their defense is like a prowling lion, tiger. 
I'd prefer to use the analogy of a liger because a liger is bigger than a tiger and a lion. A liger, for context, I think is, what is it? I think a, a female, anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll post an explanation of what a liger is in the comments section because we, we don't want to get too off track. About 67% of you in my community poll picked Ohio State to win. It's about 1,140 people. 33% of you, about a third, picked Rutgers to win. 560 people, about. The Vegas line in this game is Ohio State minus 18.5. Looking at football power index and taking their you know football power rating that is assigned to each team and then giving three points to whoever is at home because home field advantage on average is worth about a field goal in college football. Ohio State is favored by about 20 if you adjust for football power index ratings, rankings, whatever you want to call them. I do think that that actually adds somewhat of a, a, a different perspective. Potential power added the perspective of my model straight up making a prediction. FPI is more who would be favored over who. Potential power Meanwhile, is who should be favored over who because Team A will beat Team B. So Team A should be favored over Team B because they'll beat them more times than not type of thing. So similar or perhaps the exact same thing, but I think a little different. Football power index is really about who would be favored over who on a neutral field and then giving win probabilities based off of that. So more similar than different, perhaps. Um, but I don't know, I'm kind of getting lost. I think it's an interesting perspective to look at the fact that according to Football Power Index, Ohio State should be favored, perhaps by more, and that Ohio State's, you know, would win this game more than nine times out of ten on the road, despite coming off of, you know, a, a tough two-game stretch where the offense was limited by opposing defenses, but at the end of the day, because they had better talent, the better offense, and I would argue Ohio State has a better defense than Wisconsin, obviously, and even a better defense than Penn State, that that's why they came out on top, is because they're better on both sides of the football, and because they have more talent, and they have better coaching, frankly, than uh, Penn State and Wisconsin. But nonetheless, two tough games in a row, there were some injuries sustained against Wisconsin. Um, some players, you know, weren't participating against Penn State due to their them recovering from injuries. Travion Henderson, um, Emeka Egbuka, and Denzel Burke, though Henderson and Burke played against, you know, played against Wisconsin. So the Buckeyes, a question surrounding them is, will they be able to get up full capacity for this game. I, I think they can. They have the talent and the coaching staff to be one of these teams that plays above 90% or close to 100% every game. But 100% for Ohio State, I think, looks different than in years prior. I think 100% for this Ohio State team is winning games 31 to nothing or 34 to nothing rather than winning games, you know, 70 to. 17 or 70 to 21. This is a different Ohio State team. And I don't know if this type of Ohio State team offensively is long term or if it's just because of some, 
you know, for Kyle McCord, the fact that he, to be quite frank so far, is their worst quarterback in the Ryan Day era. And if they had a better quarterback, even with the offensive line issues, would this offense be that much better? Or is it more so on the offensive line? Where if Nicholas petit Fryer, Paris Johnson Jr., and you know other tackles over the past two seasons were playing on this O-line, would that be the game changer? I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. It's a mix of both. Though I would lean more toward the offensive line because if Ohio State had a better offensive line, even with some of McCord's inconsistencies, inaccuracies, and, and lack of elite top-tier upside, a better offensive line means that Ohio State would be a dangerous rushing offense, and therefore they could utilize play action, and they could you know run to open up the pass rather than have to pass to open up the run, which has been weird for the Buckeyes, but nonetheless they've been able to use it effectively. Ohio State's a big favorite understandably so. They have the advantage, I think, at every position except for special teams. Rutgers has one of the best special teams units in all of college football. What's fascinating to look at is the fact that Ohio State obviously has a better offense than Rutgers, but they do also have a better defense. And Rutgers' defense was projected in the preseason by myself to to be a pretty stout unit, to be a top 25, top 20 defense in, I, I believe, maybe I'm wrong on that, but from if my memory serves me correctly, I projected them to be top 25, maybe top 20, maybe as low as top 30 defense in all the power five, like an above average, good, maybe teetering on great defense, and they've pretty much lived up to that expectation. The Ohio State Buckeyes are monsters on the defensive side of the football. They only they have less than you know twenty sacks, but they have over eighty pressures. They just they don't get to the quarterback and get him to the ground, but they do pressure the quarterback, make him uncomfortable. And Ohio State's not trying to get big plays or finesse plays on the defensive side of the football, and you have to appreciate that they're being conservative. They're not allowing big plays. Ohio State secondary right now is number one in defensive passing efficiency. They haven't, they've been locked down all season long. You can thank Josh Proctor, Denzel Burke, the Davison Igbenosan, Sony Styles, Jordan Hancock, Jermaine Matthews Jr., who was just awesome against Penn State. This is an elite defensive unit. It's interesting, though. Um, I'm looking at collegefootballgraphs.com and I'm looking at expected points added and expected points added margin and these different things. And it's interesting to see that Ohio State is 14th in this category with a 0.255 expected points added margin. And I think what this reflects is that Ohio State, they're, you know, they're dominant, as you can look at a variety of other statistics, especially defensive ones, and also FPI, which has them number one. Potential power has them number two. And potential power has been more than 50% against the spread, about 75% picking the money line. The Buckeyes are dominant, but they're not scoring a they're not scoring a lot of points. They're not going out and just blowing these teams out. They they control the game, but they don't put the game away in like a half like they used to, where Ryan Day put down the headset, look at 
you know, his, his, his play calling sheet and boom, 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 already 49 to nothing against Michigan state in 2021 or against Penn state, Ohio state's asleep for three quarters, fourth quarter defense, offense, wake up 44, 31. That's not this Ohio state team. They're not as explosive offensively. Bold, as bold as this may be, I don't even know if they're as explosively defensively as they were last year, but I think that's intentional because even though Ohio State last year could be very explosive, they had many defensive touchdowns, obviously GT2 Imolau showing off against Penn State and Ohio State having a better sack rate than they did this year, they would then give up these monstrous big plays. They couldn't tackle properly. They couldn't, you know, cover... Penn State or Michigan's wide receiver core, slipping on defending routes against Georgia, to trade that, to take a small step back in explosiveness in exchange for fundamentals being nearly perfect is an ideal trade-off. So the Buckeyes do play teams close, but they control games. And their players are some of the best in the country, even if, whether it's sacks, tackles for loss, picks on passes defended or receiving yards or passer rating or yards per rush even if those base statistics don't reflect that you watch the games you you dive deeper into you know multiple statistics you see how great how elite this team is but nonetheless when you play the style of football that Ohio State is right now and when you have some of the vulnerabilities that they do your margin of error is tiny to be frank. Look at the Wisconsin game. Wisconsin needed just one drive. One drive. And a, a drive where they were, you know, completing passes through the air. And they tie up the game 10-10 and get a ton of momentum. If Ohio State's defense just has one or two bad drives, that could decide the game against them. Now, in prior years, the, the defense could have five or six bad drives and Ohio State still wins by double digits and controls the game so there's just a different feel and I really want to drive this point home because Rutgers is a team that will take advantage of the smallest mistakes that's why I'm talking so much about Ohio State's change and how they play because Rutgers is that team that will take advantage of those mistakes they really will and they will come out swinging early like they did against Michigan. They they forced Michigan into two three-and-outs early in the game, and they took advantage of a busted coverage for a long touchdown. And then Michigan took control of the game afterward. And against Michigan State, the Spartans you know fumbled fumbled a punt. They didn't recover their own, you know, they didn't recover a kickoff, and Rutgers instead recovered their own kickoff. At just countless errors, Rutgers took advantage and ended up making a massive comeback against the Spartans. Nonetheless, I think Ohio State has the better staff. They have the better offensive players, the better defensive players, though we already talked about the latter, and we already knew about the former. Rutgers just has a better advantage at special teams. The Scarlet Knights are rushing for 4.5 yards per carry. Ohio State's rushing for 3.9 yards per carry. Travion Henderson has 457 rushing yards. He's averaging 6.7 yards per carry, and he has six rushing touchdowns. Kyle Manungai, despite having a less talented offensive line, 
being lower rated out of high school. I know that Henderson has, you know, been injured for a few games, but bear with me. Despite this talent discrepancy, Manungai has 744 rushing yards. He's averaging 5.2 yards per carry. He has seven rushing touchdowns. He also has a long 55. So he he can be explosive and he can escape from defenders. And he also has just 20, he just has 23 receiving yards, no touchdowns. So really a bruising type of back. Gavin Wimsat's only been sacked seven times. Rutgers offensive line has been, you know, pretty efficient at protecting the quarterback and more importantly at opening up holes in the run. Is it a elite offensive line? No. Is it a good offensive line? I think so. Whether it's great or not, you know, in between elite or good, I don't necessarily know, but we'll get an idea of that when that offensive line is facing up against Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton, Michael Hall, Hiro Kanu, GT Tui Moolau, and Jack Sawyer. I give Ohio State the edge at offensive line, and the reason I do that is because Ohio State has faced better defenses. They've played at a tougher strength of schedule so far. Rutgers has basically played no one in terms of teams that are great or above great, except for Michigan, and Michigan dominated them. Wisconsin, all respect to them, they're a good above-average football team, and Rutgers lost to them. Rutgers lost to them by double digits. I I need to see Rutgers perform against, you know, Ohio State, Penn State. Their game against Maryland will be fascinating. Their six wins are against teams like Northwestern, Michigan State, Indiana, Temple, Virginia Tech, and Wagner. Those are teams that, in, in hindsight, if we were to go back to the preseason with the knowledge that we have now, we would pencil in those as almost automatic W's for this Rutgers team. So this is yet again another test for Rutgers. I think Ohio State's offensive line just has more upside. I think that they, unlike quarterback for Ohio State, and Kyle McCord can improve, but to a certain degree, I think we know who Kyle McCord is right now. I think there's more room for development on the offensive line than there is at quarterback for their starters right now. And in the past two games against Wisconsin, having Henderson helped a lot, and I think he gives the offensive line confidence. And against Penn State, this offensive line has been much better with their assignments, their execution, their fluidity. They haven't looked like a mess like they did against Maryland and against Indiana to start off the season. Although these offensive lines are very comparable. If you want to tell me that Rutgers has the better offensive line, I I think that is surprisingly an acceptable take, but I'm going to take Ohio State with the offensive line. Defensively, Rutgers has a great secondary, maybe an elite secondary. 35 passes defended, 5 interceptions, they have 8 forced fumbles, and they have 17 sacks. Ohio State's defense is 16 sacks, 35 passes defended, 5 interceptions, 2 of them returned for 6, and 6 forced fumbles. These defenses statistically are very similar. They are. And both are better at defending the pass. Both defenses, I think, are similar in the sense that they're great in fundamentals. Again, they're better against the pass than they are the rush. They're not overly aggressive. They lean 
conservative. I'm very excited to see how they face off against these offenses. Obviously, I think Ohio State's defense is a much better matchup advantage against Rutgers' one-dimensional offense than Rutgers' defense does against an offense that you know has an elite running back in Henderson, has a great quarterback in Kyle McCord, and a wide receiver in Marvin Harrison Jr., who you just you you can't cover him. You can try to cover him. You can try to double cover him. He is going to catch passes at some point. That's going to be something very fascinating for Michigan's secondary to deal with, for example, is Marvin Harrison Jr. continues to get better and better. And if you don't believe that he's better compared to last year, he's going to get close to the same amount of receiving yards and receiving touchdowns, despite having a quarterback who objectively is significantly worse as a passer who part of that is due to a significantly inferior offensive line. And Fleming hasn't been as good as he was last season. Book has been dealing with some health issues. So Marvin Harrison Jr. has also had to carry this team more than ever before. And he just continues to thrive. I mean, great player, great man, hard worker. He is everything you want in a college football player. Travian Henderson, I think, is a similar story except he's dealt with more injuries, so therefore we haven't seen his impact as much. But in 2021, he was nearly an All-American running back as a true freshman. And in 2022, I thought he was going to be that. Unfortunately, he dealt with an injury for much of the season. This year, he's dealt with some injuries, but the staff's been very cautious with him. They've managed the injuries, I think, well, and he looks healthy right now. The goal, the goal for... Ohio State is to effectively run the football here. Because if Ohio State can run the football like they were able to against Wisconsin and like they were able to against, you know, going back all the way to Youngstown State, Western Kentucky, and Notre Dame, where Henderson broke off that one long run that ended up, you know, if that long run's taken away, maybe Ohio State loses, I don't know, like 14 to 10 or perhaps worse, because at that point they were only up by you know, three points. If Ohio State can run the football here, then Rutgers has, I don't think, any shot of winning because Ohio State is faster, they're bigger, they're stronger. I don't know if they're as efficient. I don't know if they are as mentally tough. Maybe Rutgers is the physically tougher team, but Ohio State definitely has a greater capacity for athleticism, speed, and size. That we know for a fact. And I think we also know that Brian Hartline and Ryan Day are a better you know, play-calling duo and a better duo of offensive minds than the singular mind of Kirk Sharaka for Rutgers as offensive coordinator. So if Ohio State can run the ball and we know they can pass the ball, if they can be balanced, I have a hard time seeing Rutgers' offense suddenly coming alive and targeting and exploiting this Ohio State secondary. Therefore, I think that that would be game. If Ohio State's on the first drive, or two drives, because we you know need a decent sample size, and if they're able to just run the ball, two clock, I would say right there, well, Ohio State's established control. This game's going to end in their favor. Henderson is 457 rushing yards, six rushing touchdowns on 68 carries, and... I think he is the best running back for this offensive line. In the preseason, I thought that would have been mine Williams or perhaps 
um, Chip Trainum, but especially Mayan Williams, given how well he did last year when healthy. Ultimately, though, I anticipated that the guard play would be elite and the center play would be elite as well, meaning, you know, a more powerful running back like Williams or Trainum could benefit from running up the middle and churning forward for yards. Without that, you know, power element and being able to just, you know, charge forward while standing up at the offensive line on the interior, having Henderson's speed to wiggle through and find holes or find plays when, you know, the the scheme doesn't work and when the play breaks down is needed to help compensate for this offensive line. Kyle Manungai for Rutgers is my player to watch. We already talked about him earlier. He's a great running back. He's going to break 1,000 yards as long as he stays healthy, and I, I hope he does. If Rutgers can run the football while also stymieing Ohio State's run game or slowing it down, then Rutgers has a chance of establishing game control, of wearing down this Ohio State defense. And it's not just Manungai that you have to worry about. What makes Rutgers' rushing offense good is they have capable running backs behind Manungai, and Gavin Wimsatt is an effective scrambler. In fact, I think he's a better scrambler than he is a passer. And if Rutgers can just run the football and force Ohio State's defense to make some tough decisions, maybe they can get a big play to Johnny Langan or Christian Dremel. So Manungai is critical for any shot of Rutgers to have success against the Ohio State Buckeyes. I think that Ohio State's going to win this, though. I have a tough time seeing Rutgers coming out with an upset. I will say, though, I won't be... I would I would be heart attack surprised, for example, if Indiana beat Ohio State, or if any of Ohio State's non-conference opponents beat Ohio State. Um, just, just like when I was going into previewing and predicting those games. In retrospect, I wouldn't, you know, be surprised with hindsight if Notre Dame beat Ohio State. And for for Penn State, I kind of said, like, I wouldn't entirely be shocked, but at the same time, given, you know, James Franklin and how his record reflects his, you know, coaching ability against Ohio State and teams that have more talent or the same talent that his Nittany Lions do, I would have been very surprised to see Penn State walk into Columbus and come out with a win. And for Wisconsin, down a quarterback and you don't have the same talent that the Buckeyes do, would be pretty surprised. Here, coming off of two games in a row that are tough, a team that is is probably the best, or when in their current state, the best rushing offense outside of Notre Dame that you faced all year, if Wisconsin's if, if Wisconsin had a healthy Ches Malusi and healthy Braylon Allen, then then yes, Rutgers would be third there. But Braylon Allen wasn't healthy for half the game, and Ches Malusi has been out for the season, sadly, since what, week three, four, or or five. This is gonna be the second best rushing offense that Ohio State has faced. It it's it's frankly better than Penn State's rushing offense. It is. Penn State has struggled to run the football against Indiana. What did Rutgers do against Indiana? Rutgers against Indiana didn't even pass for 100 yards, and they ran for, like, 250. I mean, this Manungai, Wimsat, 
Samuel Brown the the fifth are going to pound the rock. It's going to look like a Kirk Sharaka circa 2022 offense. What Rutgers is going to want to do is they are going to want to attack Ohio State's defense like Minnesota wanted to attack Iowa's defense last year, where they'll be content passing for 50 to 100 yards as long as they can rush for 300. And if they do that, then I wouldn't be... If if they rush for above 200 and pass for, you know, 100 or 150, which is possible if their rushing attack gets going, then I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever to see them pull off the upset. I do think Ohio State's offense, though, they'll struggle. They'll have to crawl for points. I think this is going to be a game with a ton of punts, three and outs. Uh, Some of these 27 of Ohio State's points will come off of turnovers, maybe a strip sack, likely an interception given Wimsat's inaccuracies. And right now, Wimsat has, you know, four interceptions through eight games. He's averaging about a half interception per game, and he doesn't pass the football much, and he's facing the the best secondary that he's played against all year, and I think the best secondary in all of college football with the silver bullets led by Jim Knowles. The Buckeyes will put up over 400 yards. They'll score 21 or more points. I think at minimum, Ohio State's going to score 21 points here. But a lot of those yards, I think, could have the potential to be empty yards, where Rutgers' more conservative fundamental defense stymies Ohio State around midfield or in between the 40s, and Ohio State and Ryan Day will have some decisions to make. I do think Rutgers will run they'll run for around 200 or more. Now, don't come at me, Ohio State fans, for saying that. I think that if healthy, if this offensive line is as efficient as pro football focus and websites are telling me, and they did have some success against Michigan, by the way. I just think Michigan has a better run defense than Ohio State. And also, Michigan, they got Jim Harbaugh back. They were bored the first three games. There was a lot of juice for Michigan. They wanted to come out and show off against Rutgers. And Rutgers was able to play somewhat valiantly on the road, only trailing by seven at halftime. I think Rutgers will exploit the conservatism of Ohio State's defense. But a lot of those rushing yards could, in fact, be empty. Because I think when they get down in the red zone or you know in that kind of go-for-it territory... On fourth and short, I do think Ohio State's defense at several times is going to come up clutch. So similar amounts of yards for both teams. I think Ohio State will lead in yards. Rutgers, I anticipate, they won't have much of a passing offense. They will be able to open up the pass via the run at times, but I don't trust Wimsat's accuracy. And I think that Ohio State, their secondary is just so elite. They're going to force a turnover. They're going to get some pass deflections and some very clutch stops. That's why I think Ohio State still wins by double digits. Um, I think this game, to me, either screams a game that is going to come down to the final drive or one where Ohio State eventually establishes control and wins by double digits or just straight-up blows Rutgers off the field. I don't see a game where, let, let's say, Ohio State is, you know, they, they there's this feeling that they're the better team, but... It takes until late in the game for them to finally lag ahead and win in a war of attrition. This, to me, 
is either a war of attrition that will come down to the final minute, or it will be very clear by halftime that Ohio State's the better team. This won't be a game where it'll take you know, three quarters or four quarters to decide who played the better game. It'll be clear by halftime whether Ohio State's better, or we'll be talking about how one team escaped from the other after the fourth quarter ends and the clocks hit zero. The Scarlet Knights, I think, lack the talent to pull off this upset, but I could be wrong. Both of these teams, their margin for error is so small based off of how they play right now. Thank you so much for watching this preview and prediction segment. I want to give a shout-out to some patrons. We do have some new ones. Crash2488, he's an Ohio State fan, my first ever Heisman-level patron supporter. If you want to become a Heisman-level patron supporter, it is 25 bucks a month. I'm not going to, you know, try and sell you something big here, but you get to support the channel, you get to have insider access to potential power, and after six months of being a Heisman member, you get to have signed college football with Sam memorabilia, merch, whatever you want to call it, and you get to give me suggestions for making videos and get to ask me personal questions about football. My All-Americans, Spencer Bringhurst, Nobody DLC, and SFS Inverted, thank you for your support. If you're an All-American, you get insider access to potential power, get to comment on my posts, etc. That is $10 a month. And thank you to my All-Conference members. If you just want to support the channel, don't really care about the extra content, $5 a month is All-Conference. Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, and Austin Christmas, thank you for your support. Have a great day, guys, and I'll see you all around. Bye-bye.